Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. This is the Armor of God Part 2. But if you remember Wednesday, I'm going to talk about some of the things that I talked about Wednesday night. So uh, it's good because sometimes I talk really fast anyways and you guys come up saying, what did you say? Well, now you get to almost hear some parts of that twice. Give you a good opportunity to get a hold of it. Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you. We honor you in this place. We honor the Holy Ghost in this place. Father, I ask today that this would not just be a sermon, this wouldn't just be a church service, but you would pierce our hearts. I want you to say this, say, Lord, give me a heart to hear. Say, I reject offense. I reject a hard heart. Give me ears to hear. Give me eyes to see. Give me a heart of understanding. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 6, let's go ahead and read 10 through 15, and then I'm going to break some things down. It says, one final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. I'll just go ahead and stop right there and tell you that a lot of Christians, they're not able to to stand against the strategies of the devil. That's all that they know is a life dominated by the devil and dominated by the hand of the devil because they don't have any understanding of the things the Lord gave us so that we could stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against powers in the dark world. I'm sorry, against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities. Another translation says principalities, powers, of the unseen world and against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. You need to understand this this morning. Spiritual warfare. This is so heavy on my heart because this is keys to success in spiritual warfare. Say spiritual warfare. Whether you know this or not, every person, is there's a battle that's waging in the heavenly realms and on the earth. There's a battle that you can't even see that's taking place that, in fact, if we could have eyes to see into the Spirit, it would blow our mind. The things that we could see right in front of us, angels and demons and things that exist. So you have to understand that the Bible says there's principalities, powers, rulers, uh, evil spirits. You know, there's different levels of demonic power, uh, and and I'm not going to teach on this, but you just need to understand. There's Satan. The Bible calls Satan the prince of demons. The Bible calls Satan the god of this earth. Right? He's, he's the God over Adam's, the original Adam's dominion. But thank God as believers, we have been translated out of that kingdom into a new kingdom and given authority over the power of the devil. Right? But the Bible does call him the God of the earth. In fact, when Jesus uh, was tempted, Satan took him up to a high place and said, look at the nations, look at the kingdoms, look at the earth and all of its glory. They're mine to give to whomever I choose. If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give them to you. Jesus didn't rebuke him for lying. He didn't say, Satan, you're a liar. That's not yours. Because Satan was telling the truth, right? 
You gotta understand that, that God made man, Psalms chapter 8, he put man in authority over everything. All of the earth was under the authority of man. The Bible says, whoever you, you serve, you become a slave to. So when Satan came into the garden in the book of Genesis and told man and woman to disobey God and eat the fruit, when they disobeyed and listened to the words of the serpent, that authority that was transferred to man was transferred over to Satan. Now, why is that important for you to understand? Well, the Bible says the enemy comes. The enemy, say the enemy, comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. So if Satan was given authority on the earth because man gave it to him, then that answers questions like, how come there's people dying in third world countries? How come people are starving? How come there's, there's plagues, pandemics, things that are happening all over the earth? Because Satan is what the Bible calls the God of this earth. He has authority in the earth, is another way to say. And, and he brings nothing but death and destruction. Are you all with me this morning? So there's Satan... But then there's principalities. Principalities are demonic powers that are assigned over cities, regions, territories. Principality over Angelina County. Principality over Texas. Principality over the United States of America. Because you have to understand that Satan's not God. He's not omnipresent. Do you know that? Satan can't be in two places at once. Satan can't come and pop up in your bedroom and pop up in mine at the same time. He's not God. He's not omnipresent. And so he does his dealings with lower power, a demonic power. Then you have evil spirits say evil spirits. Y'all, I'm going to tell you that this is why it's so important for you to get a hold of what I'm saying is because just like there are angels assigned to our life, I really do believe that there are demonic spirits assigned by Satan to our life. Not to have victory, but to walk around and wait for just a moment, just a crack in the armor, just one word of agreement to gain legal access into our life. You know, and I, I'm going to get into this, but Satan has actually no authority to do anything to you. The only authority that he has is the authority that we give him through our agreement, through our word. You know, you think about that. How does the evil spirits, how does the demonic work? Well, he'll put pressure on you. You get offended, this situation will happen, that situation will happen, and you'll be sitting there, and what is that demon waiting for the words to come out of your mouth? No one loves me. No one even cares if I'm alive. Why am I even here? And the second that thou, those words come out of your mouth, that demon gets access into your life, and now your life is infiltrated with the spirit of depression. You see how those things work? You get a symptom, and instead of standing for the truth, man, you start, you start having issues. If you're a born-again believer, you know the Word of God, and then all of a sudden the words come out of your mouth. Man, I'm just going to die. I'm not going to live. I, you know, this is going to take me out. I'm not going to see next year. I, you know, you start speaking words like that, and now all of a sudden that spirit gains legal access into your life because you came into agreement with it. Say demons. So this is a very real reality. And I'm not glorifying the devil at all, but I'm telling you that the Lord said that this is the reality. We don't fight against flesh or blood, but we fight against evil rulers, authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and evil spirits in heavenly places. But thank God he gave us a solution. Right? I'm not sitting here preaching, well, you know, you're just going to be overrun by the devil and demons your whole life, and you better just buckle up because that's part of it. He gave us a solution. Therefore, he said, therefore, 
Put on every piece of God's armor. Say, God's armor. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Man, this is amazing. God has given, these, given us these things in the body of Christ. So that no matter what the devil throws at you, there's a way to live in which you stand firm every single time. Where you are immune, you are untouchable. The devil can't touch you. I want you to say that. Say, the devil can't touch me if I'll do what this says. So he says, put on the belt of truth in the body armor of God's righteousness. Say truth. Say righteousness. For shoes, put on peace. Say peace. That comes from the good news so you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith. Say faith. With which you will quench the fiery arrows of the devil. Another translation says, with which you will quench every, all fiery darts of the enemy. Say all. Man, I'm telling you, there is a reality that Christians can live in, believers can walk in, when we're not getting one bad report after another bad report, one loss after another loss, one failure after another failure, one broken situation after another, there is, a, there is a reality that we can walk in where not one arrow of the enemy penetrates our lives. Come on, somebody. Put on salvation as your helmet and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Can you say amen? You need to understand these two things. Number one, we have victory over the devil. Write that down. We have victory over the devil. As believers, we have victory over the devil. Paul said, I pray you would understand, this is Ephesians 1.19, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. If you are a born-again believer, the same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave lives on the inside of you and on the inside of me. Y'all don't understand, Jesus was dead in that tomb. He wasn't just sick. He didn't have a broken arm. He was dead in that tomb. You know, I, li I like to think about this. Jesus, he had all diseases at once, right? He was in heart failure, brain failure, kidney failure. Can't, I mean, everything in that tomb. He was completely dead. And the power of God came like a defibrillator and quickened that body and resurrected him from the grave. That same power lives on the inside of you and on the inside of me. The problem is believers never either A, really receive that, because that comes with what's known as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of Christians that have been saved, they've prayed the prayer, but they've never been baptized in God's Spirit. What happens when you're baptized in God's Spirit? Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. Say power. power. What power? That resurrection power shall come upon you when you receive the Spirit. So, Paul said, I pray you would understand this power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler, authority, power, leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. I want you to hear this. Jesus Christ is above every ruler on this earth. I'm going to tell you, there's no president... There's no governor, there's no United Nations, there's, no, there's not one person that even comes close that says he's seated far above in authority, far above. But not only the earthly rulers, it says even the rulers in the unseen world. 
That means every demon, every principality, and the devil himself don't even come close to the big toe of Jesus Christ. Far above. Say far above. So Jesus is far above the devil's head. That's what I'm telling you. I hate seeing those little pictures, you know, the devil arm wrestling with Jesus. There is no arm wrestle. That devil so far beneath his feet, he won victory over him. But look at this. God made him authority. God put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. The church is his body. You know what the church is? We are. We're the church. What is the church? It's Christ in the earth. You know Christ isn't on the earth. You know that? And people think that I'm crazy for this. But like my daughter, I try to tell my three-year-old this. She's like, Jesus lives in my heart. And I tell her, actually, honey, I know what you're saying, but Jesus actually doesn't live in your heart. Jesus is a physical being that sits on the throne of God in the right, at the right hand of the Father in the third heaven. The Holy Spirit lives in your heart. The Spirit of Jesus Christ lives in your heart. Why is that important? Because Jesus isn't on the earth, but his church is on the earth. So God put everything under the authority of Christ, even the devil himself, for the benefit of the body that is on the earth. So that we could rule and reign over the devil and rule and reign in this life. Are y'all with me? So it says, for the benefit of the church. The church is his body. Let me ask you guys this question. Even if you're the lowest, even if you think, man, I am the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is your big toe a part of your body? Is your big toe separated from your body? Is your foot separated from your body? Is your hand separated from your body? No. So that means if we're the body of Christ, and and Christ is seated far above any spiritual ruler, any authority, any power in this world and in the unseen world, and we're a part of the body, that means me and you are seated far above any ruler, any power, and any authority in this world and in the unseen world. That's something to rejoice over. That'll change your whole life because you won't be a Christian that runs around getting their butt kicked by the devil all the time. You'll walk in authority because you know where you're seated. Can you imagine, I mean, being like the president of the United States and some third grader trying to tell you you're going to show up to your office on Monday morning and this is what you're going to do. You hear me? You know, you'd be like... Who are you? You know, you'd probably just laugh. Like, look at, listen to this little kid telling me what, what I'm going to do. I'm the president of the United States. That's how it is whenever you understand your identity in Christ when you start dealing with the devil. I don't, I don't have to put up with this. It says in Colossians 2, 14 through 15, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed. Say he disarmed. Spiritual rulers and authorities. He disarmed the devil. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So again, you need to understand this. There's different levels of demonic power. There's Satan, there's principalities, there's evil spirits, and you have authority over each and every one of them. Hallelujah. You have authority over each and every one of them. So here's the question. If we have authority and we already have this victory, 
The moment that you were born again, you were brought into the victory, the finished work of, of the cross of Jesus Christ. If we are seated in this victory, then what is the battle that's taking place? Why does the Bible say that we don't war? You know, what's the war if we already have the victory? Well, I want you to go back up to verse, I believe it's verse 11 here. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies. I want you to say strategies. Uh, The King James, New King James uses the word wiles, W-I-L-E-S. That's a Greek word, wiles. It means cunning art. It means deceit. It means trickery. You will be able to stand firm against the trickery of the devil. Why is, why is he using that, the trickery? Because that's all the devil can do is trick you into thinking that he has more power than he actually does. That if any believer gets a hold of the word of God and stands in their authority, there's no trickery about it. You know your authority. You know what you have to tolerate and what you don't have to tolerate. And you won't put up with certain things in your life. You won't put up with infiltration of the demonic in your life in any way so all the devil can do is try to trick you into giving him a legal right by putting pressure on you and getting you to come into agreement with that pressure are y'all with me putting symptoms on you if you're a believer and getting you to come into agreement by claiming oh yeah you know this is no no y'all still with me this morning So write this down. You need to understand, number one, we have victory over the enemy. Number two, God gave us tools that would allow us to live immune from the hand of the demonic power and come out on top every time. I want you to say every time. So the Bible talks about, again, there's a devil, there's principalities, there's evil spirits, but you can put on the armor of God. And it says after that time of of tempting, after that day of evil, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. One of the pieces was the shield of faith. You would quench every fiery dart of the enemy. You know, I talk about the devil, and people just leave that very vague. It's not only important for you to recognize who your enemy is. You need to recognize the hand of your enemy. Again, the enemy, the devil, he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I'm going to tell you something here that sickness is the hand of the devil. Did you know that? That there was a woman that was brought to Jesus that had been crippled over for 18 years. Jesus looked at her and said, woman, you have been held in bondage by Satan for far too long. He identified her crippling disease as what? Demonic oppression. The Bible says Jesus went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. In fact, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, many times there was a deaf person. How did Jesus heal them? He rebuked the spirit, and they could hear. There was a blind person. He rebuked the spirit. They could see. There was a lame person. He rebuked the spirit, and they could walk. It's because they didn't necessarily have a physical problem. They had a demonic presence that was manifesting in a physical way. Are y'all with me? So get this. If I'm talking about there are ways that we can live above the hand of the enemy, That means that there is a reality we can walk in. There's things that we can do to live above sickness and disease. What else is a part of the devil? Say poverty. Poverty. Everywhere that you look, poverty, even in the old covenant, it was a byproduct of the curse. It was a byproduct of disobedience. Poverty was a byproduct of sin. 
It's mother sin and it's father the devil. Are y'all with me? Destruction. Kill, steal, and destroy. Look at this in James 4, 7. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Say resist. So the Bible, again, it doesn't teach just get beat up and beat down by the enemy and, and take it as it comes. It says to resist the enemy, and he'll flee from you. So what does it mean to resist? That's the question. Well, the Bible answers this. Look at verse 13 in our text of Ephesians chapter 6. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. How do you resist the enemy? Say the armor of God. What happens when you put on the armor of God? You'll resist him and what will take place? He will flee from you. He won't stay and build a house in your life and oppress you and kill you and destroy you. He will flee from you when you put on the armor of God. I want you to get this too. Write this down for number three. You need to understand the word is never the problem. The Bible is never the problem. The Bible actually says, let the word of God, let God be true and every other man a liar. What most Christians do is they dictate or they try to read the Bible through the lens of experience. Because in life, some people have gone through some horrible things and then they'll take that experience and they'll put a lens over their eye and they'll begin to read the Bible and they'll come across things like Jesus healing the sick. They'll come across things like uh, these verses that I'm talking about and they'll say, yeah, but, and they'll try to reinterpret it because they're reading it through the lens of experience. You need to get this. If there's ever a problem in our lives, the word's not the problem. That's just the simple solution in reality. The word is not the problem. In fact, every single time somebody came to Jesus to be healed with faith, he healed them, and the only time that he could not perform a miracle was because of unbelief. He went to his own hometown, and it says, he marveled at their unbelief. A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, and it says, therefore, he was not able to perform any miracles. He could not, one translation says. In fact, they came to Jesus. One of the Gospels gives an account of the disciples casting out a demon. They couldn't cast out this demon. This person had came to get delivered, right? They weren't walking around trying to just find someone on the road. This person came to the meeting to get delivered, and they couldn't do it. And they asked Jesus why. He simply told them, because you don't have enough faith. I know that that may be a tough pill to swallow, but there's times we have to look at ourselves and say, instead of blaming the word, instead of blaming God, why don't I just get in the word and get faith to grab a hold of what God has promised? Yeah. Are y'all with me? Yeah. The word is never the problem. And in fact, you need to get this. The only way, say the only way, the only way the enemy can infiltrate our life is if there is a crack in the armor. I'm going to go through what the armor of God is. The only way, because we see clearly according to the scripture, we have victory over the enemy, right? The only way that he can infiltrate our life if there's a crack. He said, put on the armor of God so that you can stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So go ahead and reverse that. If you don't put on the armor of God, you can't stand firm against anything. You're left wide open for him to do whatever the heck he wants to do in your life. Amen. So let's go ahead and start with this. 
And I'll tell you, uh, let me tell you a quick story how I came across this. Is last week, my daughter, Oakland, I have a, a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and my wife's pregnant, for some of you guys that are new here, pregnant with our third daughter. Amen. Pray for me. Three girls. <laughs> Three girls under five. It's going to be interesting. Our friend here, Kimberly, I, I thought you said your name was Emberly. That's my daughter's name. I was like, I've never met another Emberly in my entire life. That's amazing. But so my one-year-old, out of nowhere... I mean, she was happy, she was playing, she was eating, she was good, great, fine. And out of nowhere, about midday, this was a week or so ago, she got 104 fever. And I mean, went lethargic. It wasn't just like, you know, sometimes babies because of teething or this or that, they'll get a fever and they still, they're still okay, they're just super hot. She was like limp, didn't even like want to open her eyes, like something was definitely wrong. I got mad. And I sat there and I thought about this and I said, you know what? According to the word of God, this is not right. This ain't right. The Bible says in Psalms 91, it says that no plague will come nigh thy dwelling. I mean, I stood on the word. This is not right. My little girl should not be having this fever right now. And I got fighting mad about it. I laid hands on her and the fever went away. She was good for a day or two. And then out of nowhere. Again, woke up just fine out of nowhere. 104 fever came back. And I began, to, I began to ask the Lord, Lord, what is going on? Because, look, the word's not the problem. If there's a problem, I need to identify where it's at, but I know that this is not the problem here. And you are not the problem. Jesus, you did it all. You finished it. You completed it. You finished the work on the cross. You said it was finished. You meant every word that you said. I believe it. All of your promises have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. This is not the problem. So I begin to ask the Lord, what's the problem? And the Lord brought me to this in Ephesians chapter 6. And he said, I want you to go through the armor. And I want you to make a checklist. The armor of God, it starts out with truth. Say truth. So I began, I said, Lord, is my truth wrong? Because listen, if my truth is wrong, that's the problem. If my truth is wrong, that could be why my daughter has a 104 degree temperature right now. So my truth, I said, Lord, no, I, I, I went, I, and I'll get into this. What does it mean for your truth to be wrong? You have to, you have to know the truth. My truth wasn't wrong. So the number two, righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, say Righteousness. So then I went through the second check mark. Is my righteousness wrong? And I asked the Holy Ghost, Lord, is there sin in my life? Have I committed intentional sin? Have I committed unintentional sin? Is my righteousness wrong? Is my righteousness messed up? After examination, and I'm not saying we've reached some kind of standard or anything, but in that moment I asked the Lord, there was nothing that I felt like I needed to in that moment, repent of that I was actively doing wrong in my life. So the Lord said, no, righteousness isn't the problem. Number three. Number three is peace. Say peace. But really, this is your assignment, and I'll explain that. I said, Lord, if I, am I out of my assignment? No, son, you're not out of your assignment. Number four, shield of faith. Say faith. Lord, is my faith messed up? Is my faith the problem? Am I not using my faith? Am I not holding up that shield? No, I, I was holding up the shield of faith. So then number five was the helmet of salvation. Salvation, Lord, is my salvation wrong? Do I need to get saved, Lord? No, you don't need to get saved, son. You're saved. So then I went through this checklist and said, no, these, these, the armor, we're holding up the armor of God. So then the Lord said, okay, take the sword of the Spirit then and use it. 
So my wife held my daughter, and, and, and it says, finally, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, that's the only offensive piece of the armor of God. Every other piece of the armor is for defense. There's one piece given for offense. It's the Word of God. How do you use the Word of God? The Bible says in the book of Revelation that the, the sword came out of his mouth, and he slayed them all with the sword of his mouth, with his Word. This is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. How do you put to, to work the Word of God? You speak it out of your mouth. Come on, somebody. A lot of people, you may be walking in truth, righteousness, you may be on assignment, you may be have the shield of faith, you may have salvation with the Lord, but you're staying quiet, and so therefore you're not using the sword of the Spirit to tear down the demonic attack that's coming against you. So my wife, I told my wife she was holding our daughter who was limp and lethargic, fever rising, and I told her, I said, I want you to start praying in the Spirit, praying, because that's also a part of the armor of God. Finally, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. So many Christians have a, a hard time with tongues, and, and it's just so stupid. It's all throughout the New Testament. Praying in the Spirit is a piece of God's armor. Is the armor of God for everyone? Is faith for everyone? Is peace for everyone? Salvation, is it for everyone? Faith, is that for everyone? Yeah, all that's for everyone. So then why is praying in the Spirit? It's mentioned in the same passage in the same sequence. Why is that only for certain people or that's not for today? So I said, pray in the Holy Ghost. She started, she started praying. I got a hold of the Word of God. I started walking across that room, and I started claiming the Word of God. Lord, thank you that you took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. I proclaim the Word of the Lord that he was beaten so that we could be whole, and by his stripes we are healed. I thank you that in Luke 10, 19, you've given me all authority over the power of the devil. I thank you you said, ask anything using this name, and it would be done for me. I just started quoting the the word of God and the scriptures, and my daughter fell asleep in her arms, and I knew in my spirit, I spoke it out, I said, when she wakes up, that fever will be gone. A few hours later, she woke up, guess what? Fever gone. Never to come back again. God has given us solutions to the problems in life. Come on, somebody. God is a living God. Jesus is resurrected. This word is alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It works today just like it worked in the Bible. But you got to put it to work. You got to use it. You got to know it. You got to get a hold of it. So let's start with this. So, again, if your life, I want you to think about your life. Is your life compromised in any area by the demonic? Constant sickness? I, 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 we had a guest come that she's going to start coming to some of our services. But uh, the Lord started healing her. She came through revival last week. She said when she was like 19 fibromyalgia came just she got diagnosed with it out of nowhere never had a symptom her entire life healthy as could be when she was 19 years old just like woke up one day and had fibromyalgia and I told her I said I'm not telling you that you're a horrible wicked evil person you may love Jesus but I'm going to tell you something that's a demon that's a spirit and did you know that Christians can be oppressed by demonic spirits we'll get into deliverance I'm sure a lot more down the line. There's certain things you need to renounce. Man, you, you know, you people don't even understand this, but the Bible says in the book of Exodus that those that are affiliated in the occult, that there would be a curse that followed to the fourth generation. Do you know that? Do you know Freemasonry is a, a, a cult? 
Did you know that you may have somebody that was four generations ago that was doing stuff that, that falls into that category? What happened? It opened up a spirit to come into your family line. And so it's like, why is it that my dad had this and I have this? My granddad had this. Man, that's a demonic spirit you have to renounce. You, you know, you need to deal with for the sake of your family. But anyways, and so she started getting healing. She came. We gave her the word of God. We blessed her. And I want to say this too. If you're a guest, before you leave, go to the merch table. I want to give everybody the faith CDs or firepower, whoever's back there. Give them a free CD if you want it. If you're a visitor here, we'd love to give you that. Uh, I just want to get the word out to as many people as possible. And so, if you're seeing the hand of the devil, and this is what I went through this with this girl, you need to look through this as a, as a checklist. Is my life compromised in any of these areas? If it is, that's the problem and you need to deal with it. Amen. So let's start with number one, truth, right truth. Number one, it says in Ephesians 6, 14, the first part of the armor, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth. Say truth. Truth. I'm going to give you some facts about truth. You need to get this. Number one, you cannot be ignorant of the truth. The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You cannot be ignorant of the truth. Why do things happen to some believers? Well, simply because they've never heard the word of God. Maybe they don't know that Jesus paid for their healing. Maybe they don't know that Jesus shed his blood for addiction to be broken off. Maybe nobody's ever told you that. And it's not because you're a wicked, evil, bad person that you struggle and have this demonic infiltration in your life. It may simply be because you're ignorant of the truth. You don't know the truth. Man, I'm going to tell you, I was saved and serving the Lord and in the ministry and, and suffering in a lot of areas in our life. I've told you all, all these stories a hundred times, and I'm not going to get into the story, but early in my marriage, my wife, she had constant reoccurring miscarriages. Like she couldn't stay pregnant before we had our first daughter. You know why? I had no truth in regards to healing. I had no idea. I didn't know one healing scripture in the entire Bible. I didn't know that that was a part of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. I had absolutely no idea. So guess what? For a lack of knowledge, we were suffering with something that God never intended us to suffer with. But something came alive when I heard that word and I got in it and I saw it for myself. It came alive. Faith came alive on the inside of me. And you know what took place? My truth changed. And once my truth changed, I stood over my wife and held up that shield of faith, and now we're working on baby number three as a miracle from the Lord. I had every religious person in the world tell me, well, maybe it's God's will for you to adopt. If God wants me to adopt, he don't got to kill my wife's babies to tell me to adopt. Very simple. The Holy Ghost could say, John, adopt a kid. Yes, sir. Here we go. As easy as that. Man, that's a devil. When people start telling you stuff like that, that's a devil trying to get you to come into agreement. Well, some of you, how many of you, you're not going to receive your healing this side of heaven. No, the Bible really doesn't teach that. I know that some people die, and if they die believers, guess what? Let's just rejoice because they're in heaven. We don't need to sit around, well, what happened? What went wrong? Did they not have enough faith? At the end of the day, they're in heaven. Hallelujah. They're in their reward. But now while we're on the earth, we're going to just continue to walk in the promises of God. 
I already told my wife if it, it, this was, this is not going to happen, but I told her just so it's out there. I don't know. You know, maybe I'll get thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Who knows? But I said at my funeral, if you're around for my funeral, if anybody tries to come in the door wearing black, kick them out and tell them they're not allowed at my funeral. Because you're not grieving me, you're celebrating. I mean, because I'm, I'm, I'm not dead. The Bible says I'm asleep. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is going to physically return and he'll blow a trumpet and first the dead will rise in Christ. Give you some comfort if you've had a family member or a loved one that died, passed away being a believer, you're not going to see them in heaven one day. If you're alive when that trumpet blows, you'll see their bodies rise out of the ground. Their physical bodies rise up out of the ground and it says together with them we'll be transformed and we'll meet Christ in the air. So don't be mourning. You know, that's why Paul said in that same passage, we're that are believers, we don't grieve like other people do. You know, because we really don't have to grieve. In Isaiah 53, it actually says he carried away our weaknesses and our sorrows. Do you know the same way Jesus carried away your sin? He carried away your diseases. He also carried away your weaknesses, and he carried away your sorrows. So anytime you start feeling that sorrow, there's only a good one kind of sorrow that's good. It's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. It's sorrow that comes when you grieve the Holy Ghost. Any other, any other sorrow, it comes from the world. It's worldly sorrow. It doesn't belong to you. The reason I'm telling you that is because some of you may have had tragedy, something happened, and what will take place is you'll try to just embrace worldly sorrow, and it'll open the door for the spirit of depression. Next thing you know, you're depressed. You're, you're so depressed, your heart's so far, you don't even want to get out of bed anymore. Why? That's a spirit of depression that you might have opened the door through worldly sorrow. So say truth. You cannot be illiterate of the word of God. Y'all, I'm telling you, I'm all for it. If you want to watch the game on TV, that's great. But there's a problem, especially in the United States of America, when Christians can spend 45 hours a week on Facebook, but they can't take, find the time to open their Bible and read for 15 minutes a day, read a couple chapters of the Bible. And then what happens is, is this whole thing is dulled down, it's watered down, and it seems ineffective, but it's really not ineffective. It's the person that's carrying it as ignorant of the truth, and they're not holding up the shield of faith because they have no word on the inside of them. Man, I'm going to tell you that whenever the tests come, you better have the word on the inside of you. You better take the time. Whenever you're going and blowing and you're thriving and, and you're prospering, take that time to get the word on the inside of you so that when the time of testing comes, when the battle does come, that it's the word that comes out of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I told y'all my little girl, Oakland, she was born white, unresponsive, not even breathing. And it was like before I could even think, I walked across that room, I started praying, and I said, in the name of Jesus, come alive right now. And I watched her body turn to color and her start breathing. That wasn't just my flesh. It was the word of God that came up in the time that I needed it. It was the, it was the gift of faith in action that came from the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why do so many Christians have no faith? They have no word in their life. I'm going to tell you right now, especially in these last days, the Bible says it will be very difficult times. 
The love of many will grow cold. And in fact, what will run rampant through the churches and through the world is the doctrine of demons, the Bible calls. A, a, a twisted, perverted form of the truth that its, its intention at the root is to lead people away, lead Christians away from Christ. It's known as the great apostasy in the scriptures. You need to get the full of the word of God in these last days. Man, I'm not going to go into the details. I had a dream last night. And in this dream, I was sitting at a table, and it was, the, it was like in the apocalypse, and the Lord already began to show me this. I had a dream, and the Lord speaks to me through dreams. I don't want you to think that that's weird. It happened all throughout the Scripture. The Lord came to Peter in a vision and a dream. The Lord came to Paul in a dream at night, told him to go to Ephesus, told him that the ship that he was on was not going to sink. The Lord speaks through dreams and says in Acts chapter 2, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Well, I'm not an old man, but I dream dreams. Although people think I'm a lot older than I am, apparently. <laughs> Some people at my daughter's birthday, they were looking at me. Several people were like, man, you know, you're looking like your dad more and more. <laughs> Someone asked me, how old are you? I said, I'm, I'm turning 27 next month. They were like, ha, ha, they started laughing. No, really, how old are you? And I was like, oh, do you think I'm younger than that? And they were like, no, no. <laughs> but say dream dreams. I had this dream, and it was an apocalyptic time. And, it, and there was a man of God, I'm not going to say his name, because the Lord, I just don't want to do that right now. The Lord's not telling me to, but this Mighty, 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 world-renowned man of God, minister, prophet of the nation of the United States, was sitting across the table from me, and he had a book, and it had different strategies. The book was strategies, and he was handing me, it was like there was a, a whole table full of ministers, and they all got one or two cards, but he gave me the entire game book, and he said, this is the strategy of the Lord for the last days. And, and I woke up, there's so many things the Lord's speaking to me about it that I don't, you know, want to deal with right now. But one of the things I want you to understand is the realization how soon Jesus is coming back. How soon he's coming back. And so I say all that to say, in these last days, we are in the last days, you need to get full of the word of God. You need to get plumb full of the word of God. You need to be reading the Bible, ingesting the Bible. I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, go buy you a pair of AirPods, find uh, a preaching, teaching, Kenneth Hagin, old stuff, put it in your ears and get faith on the inside of you. Because, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, it's by faith we possess all that God has promised us. Say by faith. In fact, if you actually read the whole chapter of Hebrews 11, it's called the Hall of Faith, like the Hall of Fame, but it's the Hall of Faith. It's all the patriarchs of the scripture, like Abraham, the prophets, all these people, they did all these things. By faith, they possessed all that God had promised them. They overthrew nations. They won the battle. They tore down strong towers. They accomplished all these things by faith. Say, what is faith? If you don't know what it is, I got four CDs back there. Faith part one, faith part two, faith part three. What is faith? How do I get faith? How do I use my faith? You've got to get full of faith in these last times. And again, for some people, you need to ask the question, if the enemy is infiltrating your life, you need to ask the question, is my truth messed up?
So not only can you not be ignorant of the truth, write this down for number two, you must have proper doctrine. I'm not one that believes it. Oh, let's just get them saved, and it don't matter what church they go to as long as they go to church, amen? I get in heaven how that's a really great thought, but on earth it's actually really dumb. Because there's a lot of people that will go to a building, a church, and, get, and they'll go straight to hell. No one will ever confront them with the word of God. They'll die sick. They'll die in poverty. They'll die never possessing anything that God promised in this word. Because they're never taught the word of God. I don't believe that. Well, let's just send them anywhere. No, you need proper doctrine. And you could write this down because bad doctrine is the devil's best friend. Bad doctrine is the devil's best friend. And in fact, the Bible says, as I've already mentioned, the devil will use bad doctrine in the last days to cause the great apostasy. If you're taking notes, write that term down, the great apostasy. What is the great apostasy? 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. Turn away from the faith. It says it in Matthew chapter 24, many will depart from me. They'll, they'll, the love of many will grow cold. They'll depart from me. They'll hate each other. They'll betray each other. Some will be killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my follower. Say the true faith. Is this talking about unbelievers? No. You can't depart from somewhere you've never been. This ain't talking like in the last days, unbelievers are going to get more rebellious. In the last days, people that are Christians are going to be deceived, as we're about to read, by the doctrine of demons, and it will cause them to depart from the true faith to embrace a false faith, a fake faith. And what will actually happen is they'll stand before Jesus Christ, like it says in Matthew chapter 7, where many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he'll say, depart from me. I never even knew who you were. Why, how is that? How could I go to church my whole life and you never knew me? Well, because you embraced a false faith. People think, John, you're absolutely just way too radical. No, I just, I believe what Jesus said is the truth in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's not many ways. There's one way. Even in Christianity, with all the thoughts and doctrines and divisions, I, you know, I think about this. If you believe that wall's purple and I believe it's gray, it's one or the other. It's not both. So what's the truth? And I live my life in endeavor to stick as close to this Bible as I absolutely can, even if it offends people, even if it offends me, even if I have a thought, I'm reading something and I have to slap my flesh around a little bit and say, shut up and obey the word of God. Bad doctrine is the devil's best friend. Some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. I, I know that you know this if you're a member of this church, but America is not in the condition that it's in because of Joe Biden. It's not because of CNN. It's not because of Fox. It's not because of Hollywood. The, America's in the condition that it's in because of the church. When the devil wants to take a nation, he doesn't start in the news station. He starts in the pulpits because the church is the salt of the earth. 
We are what preserves the earth. We determine, the church determines what that nation is. If there's a strong church in a nation, the nation will be strong. If there's a weak nation, a weak church in a nation, the nation will be weak. If there's an immoral church in a nation, the nation will be immoral and corrupt. Come on, somebody. Y'all, we got to embrace some confrontational preaching a little bit in these last days because God is doing a work that needs to be done in Texas. It needs to be done in Angelina. It needs to be done in the United States of America. So God is raising up voices like John the Baptist to come out and make the crooked path straight and the rough places smooth. Come on, somebody. You need to turn around and look who is quiet. When Roe v. Wade was overturned. If, you, if, your favorite, if your favorite famous pastor had nothing to say when that happened, I'm telling you right now, you better tuck your tail and run the other way. It'll get in the pulpits. It'll deceive many people. So, again, say truth. you got to ask yourself this question. Why am I sick all the time? Well, ask this question. Do you have any doctrine in your, in your reservoir in regards to healing? If you don't, like if somebody were to come to you right now and say, give an account, why did, how, how can I know that God wants me healed? Can you do that? If you can't, there's no condemnation, do you? But can you do that? Can you not just give them a thought and idea? Can you open chapter and verse as a Christian? Because the Bible says, study to show yourself approved. Can you open the Bible chapter and verse and say, I'll show you everything that I believe and why I believe it, not just in theory, not just because some denomination told me to think this way, because I know it from the word of God. That's step number one. When you get it in you to the point where you can point chapter and verse, I'm telling you something gets on the inside of you where you know it in your knower, what Jesus has done for me. And it ain't just a message that some little skinny white dude preached to you on a Sunday morning. You have it on the inside of you. And from the overflow of your heart flows the issues of life. Say truth. A lot of Christians just have no truth at all. Do you have any doctrine in regards to authority over the devil, in regards to healing, in regards to prosperity? Because again, just because Jesus paid the price for us to have all of these things, it's by faith we possess them. Say by faith. Well, and again, how do you use your faith? You use your faith to possess the promises of God just like you use your faith to possess salvation. How do you possess salvation? You believe in your heart. Say believe in my heart. How do you, so step number one, you got to get it in your heart. I'm telling you right now that if anybody's sick in this room, yes, let's lay hands, let's do all of that, and I believe you'll get healed, you'll get touched. We can send the devil running this morning, but I'm going to tell you, that touch this morning, it ain't going to work three weeks from now, especially if there is a, which we'll end up getting to this later, at a later date, a revolving door that you've opened in your life to give that spirit access You've got to get this word down in you. Hallelujah. So, the strategy of the devil, let's talk about this for a second, and I'm going to be done. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. 
He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So again, we talked about Satan, principalities, powers, evil spirits. They prowl around looking for someone, looking for an opportunity. And let's just start with number one, the first piece of armor. The first thing that they'll do is prowl around looking for a Christian who has compromised truth. Who doesn't know the word? Okay, let's start with them. I want to just totally destroy the body of Christ. Let's start with the Christians that don't know the word. Why? They won't even know. They won't even know what's going on. I'll get to do whatever the heck that I want in their life. They won't even know it. Don't be ignorant of the strategies of the devil. So number one, you have to get the truth. Say the truth. And I I mean, I had so much to preach this morning, and for whatever reason, the Holy Ghost just wouldn't let me move off of this, this truth, this truth, this truth. You also have to gird yourself against this attack. What the devil will try to get you to do is get you, maybe you know the truth, but he'll try to get you to compromise the truth. So what I mean by that is, I'll give you an example from our situation. When my daughter got that fever, I'm a faith preacher. We, we walk in these things. We contend for these things. We believe these things. What the temptation of the enemy would have been when my daughter got that fever is to just compromise and say, well, that's good for the Sunday mornings, but... You know, I guess this healing stuff, it just really don't work. If it were to work, then right, my daughter wouldn't be sick because the Bible says no plague will come near my dwelling. So apparently because this fever came into my house, therefore the Psalms 91 must not be be true. What is the devil trying to do? Getting me to compromise the truth. Right. That's the strategy of the enemy. What is the devil trying to do when he tries to put symptoms, pressure on areas of your life? He's trying to get you to compromise the word of God, to come into agreement with it. But in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about put on the armor of God and having done everything to stand, therefore stand. Say stand. So what do I do, Pastor John? When I've been contending for this, when I've been believing, when I've been confessing the word of God, I'm going to tell you what you do. You keep contending, you keep confessing, and you keep standing, having done everything to stand. Stand. Hallelujah. And refuse to compromise. Just say this. Say, if it's not faith, I'm not saying it. Hallelujah. If it's not faith, I'm not saying it. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Did y'all receive from that this morning? Praise God. Well, I'm going to take a moment before we get ready to wrap up our service. We're going to, in a minute, take up our tithes and offerings. But before I do, I'm going to ask Hannah if she's in here. If not, it's fine. I want to ask you this question. As I was in the beginning of worship, I told you to prepare your hearts. Where I want to give you an opportunity. I don't know. Some of you are newer faces. I don't know you from the person down the street. You may totally be in love with Jesus in here, and you you may need a touch from the Lord. You may need to get some things right this morning. And I want to give you that opportunity. And so I want to give a, a, a call for two people in this room, and I'm going to explain these and then 
giving an opportunity to respond. Number one, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, again, I'll eventually get to this in my teaching, but one of the pieces of the armor is it says the helmet of salvation. Say salvation. None of this works without salvation. You could read the Bible all day long, but it ain't going to guard you against anything from the devil until you come underneath the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something supernatural happens in the spirit when you believe in your heart and you make that confession and you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ where a blood covering comes over you. It comes over your family. In fact, in the book of Exodus, there's what's known as the Passover when God led the Israelites out of Egypt and in the instructions that he gave them the night before the Passover, he said, take a lamb, spotless, pure, without blemish. First instruction, smear the blood on the doorpost. That night, it says an angel of death came through Egypt and every single house that was marked by that blood, it was not allowed to enter into the front door. That was the type and shadow of the blood of Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that the son holds us securely in his hand and the evil one touches us not. The Bible says that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light of his dear son. Amen. So there's something that's supernatural that takes place. You're saying, John, I don't even know where to start. Maybe you need to start by getting saved. Maybe you need to start by making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And that's step number one for everything in your life changing. Because nothing in your life can even begin to change until you make that, that stand of faith. Amen. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.